When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday edition of Clay and Buck starts right now. A busy news day. Much to get to. Also have some uh, excellent guests. Let's talk guests just for a moment so you know where we are heading. We'll have our friend Ryan Gurdusky in the second hour of the program. Just to let you know. He's got a a piece up where he makes the case that Trump is currently, at this stage of a cycle, including 2016 cycle and 2020, in the strongest position he has ever been in to win the presidency, which is amazing on so many levels. Based on the numbers, based on uh, what's going on in the swing states, Ryan will, will break that down. It's too early to you know do anything other than just... Look at this and take it in. We're a year out, year and, you know, a couple of weeks. But it's very interesting, and we wanted to address that with Ryan. Also, the speaker fight and that we just all wanted to end. We'll talk to Ryan about that, and uh, Clay and I will have some updates for you throughout the show. There's voting ongoing. There are a few candidates who are still in the mix. You've had, uh, as of this morning, Byron Donalds of Florida, Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. You know, it's kind of a merry-go-round situation here. We'll see who ends up as actually speaker, and then we can stop talking about it, which would be fantastic. Um, we'll discuss that. And uh, we also have a special guest who will be joining in the third hour of the program. Clint Romesha is a former staff sergeant, Medal of Honor recipient. He's going to talk to us about what he's doing to help veterans some veterans uh programs he's involved in if you saw the movie the outpost uh clint eastwood's son i think scott eastwood plays romesha um and uh it's you know it's a really harrowing tale of a very long gun battle in uh in afghanistan one of the one of the longer ongoing gun battles so we will discuss uh firefights we'll discuss that coming up let's oh, oh also uh news item here Jenna Ellis has pleaded guilty in the Georgia case. Now, uh, she was involved in some capacity in the election stuff in 2020. We'll get to some of that, but she's just getting five years of probation. I think it's interesting to see that maybe they're just going to try to process as many guilty pleas as possible. Okay. We'll get, we'll get into all of that. And I want to talk to Clay about the legal realities there. Um, but the, the, Updates we have for you right now on Israel. More airstrikes um, over 
the night, uh, airstrikes intensifying. Biden has said there won't be a ceasefire in Gaza until after hostages are released. He cut his remarks uh, yesterday as he had to head to the Situation Room. I thought this was interesting, Clay. Macron of France has said the international military coalition that fought ISIS should come together to fight Hamas, meaning treating Hamas like it is ISIS. Um, but but something else, and I know that th- this kind of crosses over more into our domestic political scene. Some of the pro-Palestine stuff. I mean, I want you to tell everybody, you know, where soccer is she now, former yeah. soccer player Megan Rapino comes down. Some of the pro-Palestine stuff, like this very uh, aggressive protest in New York City that happened, where there were arrests. Clay, I see signs. I- I've got a sign in front of me and hat tip end wokeness on Twitter. Reproductive justice means free Palestine. It's like we're watching the left have a nervous breakdown in real time. I mean, what are you seeing with some of this? The Rapino stuff is, I know, something you've been talking to me about. Yeah, so uh, a colleague sent me this this morning. I woke up, uh, and obviously I'm not paying attention to Megan Rapino's friggin' uh, Instagram. Uh, God, God bless you <laughs> if you are and you happen to listen to us. I would think... The Venn diagram of paying attention to Megan Rapino's Instagram and Clay and Buck listeners is a completely separate circles, but in the event that this overlaps, um, so Megan Rapino, for those of you who don't know, is the U.S. women's soccer player who refused to stand for the national anthem because she said America is a fundamentally racist place. She refused to take a trip to the White House when Donald Trump invited the U.S. Win- women's soccer team, which won the championship in 2019 in France, to come to the White House to celebrate the fact that they had won the World Cup. Uh, she refused to go. She bullied, according to a lot of reports, other members of the soccer team into making that same choice. She tried to bully them all into kneeling. She is not a good person in terms of the way that she's used her platform, in my opinion, politically. She's been divisive. Uh, and also, a lot of you out there who do pay attention to sports actually loved that the final moment of Megan Rapinoe's World Cup career, Buck, was her airmailing a uh a penalty kick in the uh in the at the end of the game to try to beat I think it was I can't even remember Sweden maybe one of those one of those one of those countries beat us. I think it was Sweden. Uh but she airmailed it uh went far right ironically enough on her uh, on her miss, which shouldn't happen obviously for a star in uh in in soccer. So, she is married to Sue Bird Buck, who is Sue Bird is I believe half Jewish and is has an Israeli passport. Uh Sue Bird is a, a very talented women's basketball player, Megan Rapino, lesbian, married to Sue Bird. She is raising money on her Instagram account for people in Gaza. Buck, she has a BLM head photo. She has her pronouns in her bio, of course. She has the gay pride flag, I believe. I'm trying to zoom in. I can't tell for sure, but I think that's what it is. Uh, and she is married to a Jewish woman who has Israeli citizenship that would be, could have been murdered if she had happened to be in that area that Hamas invaded. She is a lesbian woman living and married under the protections of the United States. She would be murdered, probably stoned to death, in Hamas for being a lesbian who's married to an Israeli. I, I don't think there's any doubt about this. Yet the politics of her branding is so broken that she is raising money for Hamas. And I think all of those are a lot of details, but I think it's emblematic of the collapse of the entire identity politics universe and i think there I, I know this there are tons of people listening to us right now buck who are jewish who would have never listened to us before but have been tipped off gotten notification hey these guys are 100 percent right they're calling terrorists terrorists and there's almost no one in media who will do it it's crazy you know the you see the conflation in a sense um although i do there is some connective tissue with all these causes other than just i think being wrong being wrong on the issue that's that's a connection but all of a sudden blm trans rights uh you know racial justice you know climate change 
anti-colonialism, Palestine, all this stuff is wrapped together. And you say, what is going on here? Like, what kind of mass delusion are people operating under? I mean, how could it, you know, reach this point? And, and you also have something else going on that I, I find, um, I know why they're doing it. You know, Barack Obama put out a statement yesterday. I saw and I think Obama, it was like a reading list, right? He put yes. out a list of things to read. Well, he put out a reading list, but he also yeah. put out a statement on, on the conflict. And, and there's this, this thing now. And, you know, uh, Tony Blinken, whom I have it on good authority from friends in the national security side on the, on the career side is, uh, an incompetent just for the, just so you know. Um, I, I really ask people, I say, look, is, I disagree with the guy, but is, is he really sharp? Does he really know, you know, what time it is? They say, no, he's, he's a you're kind of a classic company man for the government buffoon. Um, but Blinken was doing the same thing today in, in remarks this morning. And what they do is they keep saying, oh, well, we want to remind Israel to act in a, in a humanitarian fashion. And th- this just gives more, um, you know, gives, gives more cover in a sense. To the people walking around saying, stop the genocide in Gaza. There's no genocide going on in Gaza. Okay. If Hamas could commit a genocide in Israel, it would do so. And it says it would do so. It has shown us that it has the willingness based on the actions of this terrorist attack, but it says openly from the river to the sea, get rid of all of the Jews. It is calling for a genocide and ethnic cleansing of Jews from the state of Israel. That is in, that is effectively Hamas's charter. Um, on the other side of things, Israel is taking time to negotiate for hostages, to work with allies, to try to, uh, you know, limit when the ground invasion starts, civilian casualties, to prepare for the possibility of a northern front. There's already been some exchanges of you know, rocket fire in the north with Hezbollah. Israel's making all these preparations, and Barack Obama's putting out a statement to tell Israel that it's in its interest to, you know, conduct itself in the most humanitarian fashion possible. Yeah, they know, Clay. You know what I mean? Like this is. It's the, the, um, the, the Babylon Bee put out a, a, uh, what do you call it? A meme today that I thought really did get to this, you know, and it was Emperor Hirohito calls for ceasefire after bombing of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit of what we're seeing, you know, the, the ceasefire calls after this mass casualty terror attack. If, if somebody was calling for a ceasefire after 9-11, you would have thought that they were out of their mind or that they were just nefarious and that they thought America, yeah. you know, wanted it. What you're hearing now are ceasefire calls simultaneously with there's a stop the genocide in Gaza. There is no genocide in Gaza. That is a lie. And the Israelis are not trying to conduct, nor will they conduct a genocide in Gaza. But these are the two ways that they try to take the victimizers, Hamas, and make them the victims. Yeah, and this is also, I, I think, where social media can become dangerous. And 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 I mean this. Whatever you believe, there is a viral video out there that you can post to justify your side's position. So whatever videos are out there, and by the way, nowadays, the technology's gotten so advanced, you don't even know if the videos are real, but there are going to be young, innocent people in Palestine that die as a result of the Hamas terror attack, which has created... Uh, a necessity for a response from Israel. So you can be simultaneously of the opinion that you never want a civilian to die, which I think all good and reasonable people are, and also simultaneously understand that, that war is hell and that fighting is going to mean that there are deaths sometimes of innocence. And it's always important to remember that there are just wars. And if Hamas and Palestine did not want to be in a war, then they shouldn't have started a friggin' war. And I think the analogy is good for Emperor Hirohito. I think it's really very per, uh, persuasive for people out there after 9-11. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Buck, if within the, while we're still watching and standing in the rubble of the World Trade Centers, there had been legitimate arguments being made by Congress people that it was necessary that there be a ceasefire because we didn't want to hurt innocent people in our pursuit of Al Qaeda. Bad faith demands for peace can actually be used as as a weapon. You know, depending on when you 
are making those demands, right? If, if, if all of a sudden, if Japan, I mean, I think back to, um, uh, I think back to, I think it's Dead of Honor, the Tom Clancy novel, which is the Tom Clancy novel where he flies, this is pre 9-11, a Japanese pilot to get revenge on the U.S. flies a plane into a joint session of Congress and, you know, hits the Capitol building pre 9-11. Anyway, a little, a little bit of a shock when you go back in history and think about this. But Clay, part of that is the Japanese effectively launch, you know, the, the, the plot, the, the, you know, the novel's plot is the Japanese seize back a bunch of territories in the Pacific. They do so very rapidly with pretty minimal U.S. loss of life. And they say, guys, let's, let's just call it quits right here. They also secretly develop nuclear missiles, right? So like, guys, yeah. we're done. Let, let's, let's leave it here. And you say, well, hold on a second. We're done now after yeah. the, vi- you know, after the violations have occurred, right? I mean, it's, it's completely contrary to a sense of justice and also contrary to a sense of security because there's an ongoing threat from Hamas. It's not like Hamas has retreated. People are talking about, oh, the lessons we've learned in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, but geographically, this would be like, you know, uh, this would be like New Jersey launching a terror attack against New York. They're right next to each other. They share a border. You can't just say, okay, we're going to let this one go. You're far away. Maybe we'll figure out peace in the future. They're an ongoing threat, Clay. That's the part of this that people, I mean, they're still firing off rockets. Yeah, it's a little bit like if a cartel came across our southern border, killed 1,400 people, and then went back across the southern border in Mexico, tried to say, hey, you shouldn't respond to the cartels. Yeah, we need a ceasefire. Mexico now. demands ceasefire after 1,400 Americans killed by cartel. That's exactly yeah. what the similar, you know, or I should say not exactly, but that's a very close um uh situation to what we're seeing here that's why the ceasefire demands the stop the genocide demands i mean they're using this term genocide just because it's so emotionally loaded to use the term genocide wrongly to stop the jewish people from defending themselves is a particularly disgraceful thing to do well you know particularly I mean? I mean, because hamas actually would Once. do a genocide Correct. if they could, and the 1,400 people they killed are emblematic of what their genocide would look like. This is the inversion of reality and morality at the same time. Look, uh number shocking. More than 38,000 U.S. veterans experiencing homelessness across our nation. Heroes who signed up to protect and serve, now they're sleeping on our nation's streets. Tunnel the to Towers is committed to helping those heroes who have sacrificed so much for our country, our freedoms, and for us. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel of Towers providing housing assistance and services to U.S. veterans who meet the program's requirements. Foundation's program helped over 500 veterans last year, and more than 2,000 are expected to receive help this year. Veterans who honorably served our nation deserve our gratitude. If you or someone you know is a veteran who's homeless or at risk of homelessness, complete the Foundation's inquiry form at T2T.org. More than 38,000 heroes who put their lives on the line for us need your help. You can help by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We've got Ryan Gerdusky about to join us right now. He's got a fantastic piece up. It is called The Trump-Biden Path to 270, How the Presidential Campaign is Changing Fast. The Substack is National Populist Newsletter. You guys love Ryan Gerdusky, and I say this fondly because he can nerd out with the best of them when it comes to analyzing so many different parameters, so many different races. We've had him on a lot uh, over the past couple of years. Ryan, thanks for joining us. You were initially, I think it's fair to characterize, uh, skeptical that Trump in 2024 would be able to put together a coalition that could lead him to victory. As we sit here 13 months out and you are looking and checking and analyzing all the data sources coming in, you actually are coming around to a place where I think Buck and I have been for the last couple of months, which is Trump's actually in a really strong place if you consider where he was, for instance, in October of 15. October of 19, he was actually in a pretty strong place. That was pre-COVID. But how would you assess Trump's chances in 24, and how do they compare to his historical standing, Ryan? And thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, I would say right now, say in the beginning of the year, he had about a 30 percent, 25 to 30 percent chance of winning. He's probably at around a 40 to 45 percent chance of winning right now. So if I was a betting man, my money would still be on Joe Biden to win reelection. But odds have gotten a lot better for Trump in a very, very short period of time, despite the news cycle actually getting worse for him, polls at least, um, and some hard data on the ground has been getting better. So on the national scene, and a lot of you have seen these elections, these polls where it has shown either Trump tied or Trump winning or losing by a point um, versus polls in 2020 and 2016 that had him losing by five, six, seven, eight points. So in the national scene, it's, it's come, you know, very, very good for Trump. The thing is, is that Trump in the past always outperformed in state polling, the national polling. Now they kind of reflect each other. And state polling for the very first time is showing that Trump, if the election were held today, would win the presidency 281 electoral college votes to 257. And how he would do that is he'd flip Arizona, Georgia and Pennsylvania. Um, he'd still lose um, the other four big swing states right now with polling, which is Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan and Virginia. So um, that being said, that. Trump now looks better than not only did he did in 2016, he also looks better than he did in October 2019. He looks actually far better than he did in poll-wise, um, even before COVID, because at the time, the opinion of Trump was so negative and they were running, he was, they were running on his record versus running on someone else's record. Ryan, what's really, you think at this point, the, is it, is it just the, uh, various indictments and the response to that? Like, why have the numbers trended more 
in Trump's favor up to this point this year? Yeah, it's the economy. I mean, the economy is just absolute garbage uh, every which way you look at it. I don't even believe the government statistics right now on food prices. I think that food prices have probably doubled in the last two years. I don't I think that there it's no way it's only up 15 percent. Um, mortgages are over 8 percent. It's just it, it's everywhere you go. It's an attack on the middle and working class, especially those um, easily persuadable by the economy. Upper middle class people who ha- tend to have more cash are less um, willing to move. But those are the things that really are, you know, in everyone's face all the time. Um, the way that gas prices were kind of in their face last year and going to 2021 when you saw Glenn Youngkin win. Uh, the, the other thing that is also building momentum for Trump is that one, the border is completely broken, which drives Republicans crazy. And then international conflicts in Ukraine and in Israel have really upped the momentum that Joe Biden cannot lead on an international stage. So it's the perfect storm of the economy and inflation being the main driver of negative feelings towards Biden. They're absolutely right now at the bottom and the worst they've ever been for his entire presidency. Okay, so you have talked a lot about how, you know, Trump may be in some of these national polls, like maybe he's polling better in New York, maybe he's polling better in California, but being better in New York or California doesn't necessarily matter because those states are not going to be close. Um, How many states, let's presume for just a moment, that everything went perfect for Trump in his campaign, Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he really made a run. How many states do you think are actually flippable for Trump, right? So my suspicion, and the reason I'm asking this is, and I'm sure you saw it, there's a Quinnipiac poll out that has, with multiple different candidates involved, has Trump only down seven in New York, for instance. If Trump only lost New York by seven, that would mean he would be capable, in your mind, of winning How many other states? Are there states that almost nobody talks about that if Trump had a real run could be in play? Like, what would that board look like? So the main states that Trump has in play right now are there five, right, which is Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nevada. Sorry, six. There's six. If you look at 2016, which is when both candidates were incredibly unpopular, and you had third-party candidates running very, very high, over 5% threshold, which was Gary Johnson um, and the Green Party, Jill Stein at the time. I think they ran like six or seven points. Right now, you have RFK Jr., you'll have a Libertarian, you'll have a Green Party, and you may have Cornell West on the ballot. And sorry, let me ask you this, because you're right. What percentage, if you were projecting right now, do you think third parties would take if we got a Trump-Biden rematch? Like, how many people would come um, I- off the board with all those candidates you just mentioned? At the best, I would say as of right now, and I, there's no real national polling on a lot of this. I don't really know. Maybe six percent, maybe five percent. Biden and 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 uh, and Trump are historically unpopular for two major party candidates, the most since 20. 20- so that's the reference I'm going with. RFK Jr. seems to be fairly popular in view of poll, but they don't really know much about him. He's kind of done this very complex campaign where he's supporting like a border wall and no vax mandates. And at the same time, he's supporting reparations for slavery. So it's this complex, you know, coalition he's just trying to assemble. So let's, I would say probably between five or six, which is maybe two to three points more than you'll averagely get. And obviously it's higher in some states and lower in the others, but it depends largely on what battles does he get on. Has the Green Party gotten on the ballot in Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin in 2020, there's a very high likelihood that Trump would have won re-election when they weren't on the ballot. So we don't know if that will even be manifest itself. Um, but if you look at 2016, where the situation was very high disapproval for both parties, third-party candidates running strong, the only other states in my mind I could see getting close or closing in would be New Hampshire, Minnesota, and then once again, Nevada. Um, could Virginia? I don't know. We'll see what Virginia's elections are like in, in a week. I kind of doubt that. Could New Mexico? I don't know. Let's see what Hispanics move a little bit. But the main two ones are New Hampshire and Minnesota. Ryan, you know, uh, we're speaking to Ryan Gudrowski, everybody, and his uh, Substack is excellent. The National Populist Newsletter recommended to you. You can subscribe on Substack. Um, Ryan, the speaker fight. It looks like Tom Emmer is now the GOP uh, favorite for the speaker's gavel. 
what is going on here? Like, I, what what's your take on what does this mean and how did we get here? You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what our conservatives ever actually winning. What were they winning? Was it to get out of you? What was the point of doing this? I mean, I get it. McCarthy broke his promises. Okay, I completely understand that. But what are we going to get out of an Emmer that we weren't going to get out of McCarthy? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And because conservatives seem to always rally around whoever they've seen on television the most, they spent all this time wasting energy on Jim Jordan and then Byron Donalds, neither of which would have been a viable speaker choice, neither of which well, – I mean, I don't know Donalds' record that much, but Jim Jordan would have been an absolutely disappointing speaker if he would have picked, been picked speaker uh, for conservatives. And I don't know what the point of any of this is. I mean, Wait, why I would Jim want... Jordan? I mean, we we like Jim here. I'm just wondering. So why would Jim Jordan have been dis- disappointing in your mind? I mean, he's a big sellout to big tech. When they were having the big tech censoring conservatives things, he was on the side of big tech. Mm-hmm. He gets a lot of donations from big tech. It's extremely. Uh, I will de- I will defend Jim Jordan a little bit there, based on my knowledge. I I spoke on a panel with him about big tech. Now I don't know about his donors, but I think he's actually been really on the side of recognizing what censorship has been. But let's put that on. I think we agree that we've gotten into a mess here. So what in your mind, Ryan, is the solution at this point? And for people out there who are just getting in their cars or just hanging out with us, Tom Emmer is evidently the nominee now, and there are reports that he doesn't have the votes on the House floor either. So part of me, Buck and, and Ryan... A part of me wonders if we're going to remember the do over thing I used as an example, Buck, where like when you played kickball back in the day and it was a close call, you'd be like, let's just yeah. do it over. Part of me thinks that Kevin McCarthy might end up back in the speaker chair before all this is over and they'll just pretend none of this happened. What do you think happens, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, that could always be a possibility, though I find it very hard. The majority is too thin. And, and Emmer, you know, is an example of somebody who fails forward. He did a terrible job running the midterms for the GOP. This is why they're in this position where so few members have this much power. Um, I think that I, if I was anybody of influence, I would have sat there and told them all to rally around Johnson from Louisiana from the very beginning. He raises the most money. He's pissed off the fewest people. Um, and he could actually do somewhat of a decent job. And I think that that's basically all you have to have now. Remember, the speakership's not just somebody who puts people on committees or somebody who, uh, you know, puts bills up for a vote. It's a national figure. It is the leader of the party when the party is in opposition. He's got to raise millions of dollars. He has to have a full organization, a political organization, as well as keeping members in line, keeping them happy, and have a vision for the country. It's a very hard job. That's why Nancy Pelosi was so uniquely good in her abilities as a Democrat. Um, there are there aren't that peep that many people on the on the Demo- on the Republican side, and I think rallying to some people that there was no way that you know these Biden Republicans, Republicans in, in districts Biden won, were ever going to go to a bomb thrower. Like they just were never going to support a bomb thrower. So find the most conservative person you can who you know appeases the moderates while being conservative, and then pick them. And just try to get through the rest of the year. Because if we have a shutdown without a speaker, I don't really know what they're going to do. Ryan, uh, we asked you about the 2024 race speaker. The primary is also going on uh, for the Republican nominee. We didn't even ask you about that till now. Is there any indication, if you are a Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, whoever you want to point to, is there any indication that there is going to be any drama whatsoever in terms of the actual Republican primary, or is Trump, in your opinion, basically ended all of the debate already? I mean, the caucus in Iowa will be interesting because it's a caucus, so you don't know who shows up. It takes 12, 40, 12 hours to do. It's an exhausting experience. It's not a primary, and it matters a lot about organization that does favor DeSantis. I think he can overperform. Can he win? I'm not sure. Um, maybe the governor will come in for him. The governors of Iowa and New Hampshire seem to be rallying around DeSantis without ever doing anything, though, and saying it. Um, and it matters a lot if, if Mike Pence and Tim Scott, which they basically look like they've thrown in the hat, actually throw in the hat and say, hey, let's pick one person and actually support them and stop wasting time, which is what they should have been doing for months if they really wanted Trump not to win. Um, so we'll see. I mean, right now, obviously, Trump is very favored to do it, uh, given – 
you know, unless something happens where he passes away or goes to jail. But aside from that, he looks very likely to. Um, I just don't think it's over till it's over. And if there's any place that an upset could happen, it's in Iowa. How how are we looking for the House in the next? I know it's early, but um, it seems to me that the 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 consensus or the conventional wisdom, Ryan, is Senate's actually pretty good for Republicans in terms of what's up. But what do you think about our chances to get a bigger majority in the House, or at least just keep a majority? Yeah, it looks right now. The House Republicans look like the first ten minutes of saving Private Ryan. It's a complete disaster. Um, the uh, the you have a case of redistricting going on in New York, which we'll see what ends up happening if Democrats try to redistrict again in New York. Uh, you have Republicans lost a seat in Alabama. There's a major court case going on on the Voting Rights Act, which if if the Supreme Court strikes down the Voting Rights Act, it will probably net Republicans four to five seats in the House because they'll stop drawing black majority districts in the Deep South, which means there'll probably be no Democrat left in Mississippi, Alabama, South Georgia, South Carolina. They could all be gone. Um, the, but if they don't strike it down, it's likely Democrats will pick up extra seats throughout the entire South. Uh, they just redistricted in North Carolina. So all those fights are going on, and there's a dozen Democrat, a dozen Republicans in Biden districts, and there's very few possible pickups in Trump districts where Democrats hold. So it's a difficult map. Trump would have to, or whoever the Republican nominee would have to, outperform what Trump did by about two to three points nationally to make more districts competitive, and Republicans are throwing the smartest possible candidate. And no redistricting in New York, and the VRA, the Voting Rights Act, would have to be struck down, Section 2 of it. So you're really asking for a very perfect gamble for everything to go correct um, for them to keep the House. It's possible, but it's not great. One word answer here, because we're coming up against it. Is it fair to say Republicans should be favored to win the Senate and that maybe the flip would be lose House, win Senate, if you were looking at the board 13 months out? Yes. One word answer, yes. All right. Okay. Ryan, great thank you so everybody. much. National Populist Newsletter, go subscribe. Ryan, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Hillsdale College's faculty and staff appreciate the enduring values of our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence as much as anyone. That's because they continue to make a study of the words contained within them and apply them to our current lives and news events of the day. They know there's value to having your own copy, too, so you can familiarize yourself with the words and meaning in such important document. Early this fall, they set a goal to put a million copies into the hands of Americans who don't have one. Response has been tremendous. Their goal will be met. And if you'd like your own copies, let Hillsdale College send them to you at their expense. Kids, grandkids, it's important uh, to get them in their hands as well. Go to Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com right now. Simple form comes to you in the mail absolutely free. That's Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. One more time, Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. Keeping it real, keeping it honest. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. We're honored to be joined now by Clint Romesha. He's a former staff sergeant and Medal of Honor recipient for his incredible bravery. During the 12-hour Battle of Kamdesh in the war in Afghanistan, 300 Taliban fighters launched an attack on his uh, base. This was shown in the movie uh, The Outpost, which I've actually seen. Um, it's a good, a good film. Clint is a brand ambassador as well for our sponsor, Pure Talk. He also sits on the board of directors for America's Warrior Partnership, an organization dedicated to preventing veteran suicide. He's joining us now talk about Pure Talk's initiative to forgive $10 million in veteran debt. Uh, first of all, Clint, honored to talk to you, and thank you for your, your service um, and, and all that you've done for the uh, veteran community. Um, tell us about America's Warrior Partnership and, and why you got involved. Well, thanks for having me on the show today and uh, giving me the opportunity to kind of talk about these important things that are near and dear to you know, all of us Americans and what our veterans do day in and day out. Um, it's been a blessing to be able to be a part of America's Warrior Partnership for about the last six years I've been on the board there. Uh, and their their thought process of, of trying to end veteran suicide, not just through, you know, identifying it as just and mental health, but looking at, you know, every aspect of it. Um, and one of those big aspects is, you know, financial stability and having hope and, and understanding its relationships, its transportation. It's all these things that add into it. And with what we've been doing with our Operation Deep Dive, really studying uh, the veteran suicide crisis and understanding that we need to start 
fishing for the, or instead of fishing for these veterans, hoping they're coming to us, that we can actually build these targeting packets and figure out kind of who our high risk uh, veterans are and go hunt them down um, and be proactive instead of reactive. I, I believe the number is 21 or 22 American veterans a day who commit suicide, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the number that, that, that is used to raise, uh, funds and hopefully awareness as well. Um, how much is what Pure Talk's doing also when you look at the debt crisis that is hitting so many different people? I think there are 38,000 homeless veterans in the United States is the, is the number I've seen most frequently. How much of, uh, of a stressor in your experience is people trying to come back to the United States? And being faced with an overwhelming amount of debt, you know that that's a that's a huge burden on on everybody in this country. And you can look at, you know, kind of the times we're in with the inflation rates being what they are. Um, your dollar's not going as far. Uh, what happened during kind of the COVID crisis with a lot of veterans not having access to care with the shutdowns and stuff, and a lot of them actually went out and and put uh, you know huge amounts of money on credit cards to pay for doctor visits and stuff when they couldn't get into the VA and, and see their primary care providers. And it's, it's just been amazing to see a, uh, a company like Pure Talk step in and realize, look, you know, we can't do everything, but if we're all doing a little bit, we can make a huge difference and kind of relieving that, that financial burden um, with the debt forgiveness for, for these veterans will, will do so much. I think we'll, we'll end up targeting about 6,500 veterans to help out, to forgive their debt, to make sure their credit scores aren't, you know, tarnished and trashed, and to give them that hope to continue on for the future. And Clint, we know this is in in partnership with uh, with Pure Talk, which is a sponsor here on the show that's decided to step up. Uh, Pure Talk has a a veteran president, so I know that veteran issues really matter to them. For the folks who are are listening, um, which includes a lot of veterans, I might add, and a lot of active duty, um, what can they do to to help with this initiative? So that these veterans who may be behind and, and, and be racking up debts that are really, you know, affecting them psychologically, hurting their, their, you know, their ability to sleep at night, et cetera. Um, what can the people listening do to help out? You know, as, as part of, part of the help, it's, it's coming on board with a, a great, a great cell phone company. Um, that's got great service throughout the country. Uh, it, it works everywhere your cell phone right now works and, and by becoming a, uh, becoming a, a customer of them, part of your checkout, when you go to checkout, you could round up. And that round really cool because it's based on kind of this random act of kindness that these veterans won't even know until that debt is forgiven and, and that credit score is improved. And and they'll be able to just wake up and, and show up that one day and realize that burden has been removed um, and, and they can go on and, and, and continue to do great things with, with their lives, with their families, uh, with this country. Clint, there's a lot of awful stories out there right now. You wrote a book, Red Platoon, uh, a true story of American valor. For people out there who might be looking for positive, uplifting, heroic stories, what is the what what story are you telling in the book, and and what was your experience as a uh, as a soldier? You know, the the highlight of that book was having those great men I served with that day. Like I said, I get a lot of the spotlight put on me for for being a, a a recipient of the Medal of Honor, but if it wasn't for great guys like Bunderman and Raz and Larson um, and the sacrifice of those eight men that gave up everything so we could be here home today with my family really highlights them as who they are and you get to know them. And it was their input from going around and traveling and capturing their stories and having the input from that, the eight gold star families that anything written about their loved ones, they get final final say on anything published in that book. And one of the greatest just compliments I ever got from doing that book was from the Gold Star families talking about having that closure and not just highlighting, you know, this one just horrific day where a lot of bad things happen, but it highlights that, that personal. And you get to see you've got guys from every walk of life from the big cities to the rural communities joining together and fighting because, you know, the enemy was trying to kill us because they hated us. And we ended up winning that day because we loved each other so much. And that love will triumph over over bitterness and anger and hatred for our, our, our American way of life, our values, our standards that we, you know, just 
just excel at as Americans and are just really the shining beacon for the rest of the world of what goodness looks like. Glint Ramesha, Medal of Honor recipient. Um, honored to talk to you, sir. Thank you for uh, giving us the time today, and thank you for your help and partnership with Pure Talk to help veterans. Well, thank you so much for having me today. And like I said, we can all do a little bit more. And to that end, you know, we just were speaking with Clint Ramesha. He's a brand ambassador for our sponsor, Pure Talk. We're proud to have them because we support our veterans. But Pure Talk also has superior cell phone service at a lower cost. Pure Talk's plans start at just 20 bucks a month, offering unlimited talk, text, more data, and a mobile hotspot. And as you just heard, by making the switch, you're making an impact for our men and women in the military. Veteran-owned, Pure Talk extends a 15% military discount and also provides customers with the option to round up their total at checkout in support of America's Warrior Partnership, which Clint was just telling us about. Dial pound 250 from your phone and say the keywords Clay and Buck to make the switch. It's pretty cool that a private company like Pure Talk has jumped in to help our military vets, and you can too when you switch your cell phone company to Pure Talk. Again, they're donating a portion to reach their goal of alleviating $10 million in veteran debt by Veterans Day. They're 53% of the way there, but they need your help. Let's show our unwavering support for our veterans. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to switch to Pure Talk today. It's the right move, and it's the American way. Just dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck to make the switch to Pure Talk today. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation, and three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you, though? For $20 a month, you can get unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data from my cell phone company, Pure Talk. You'll get the same quality of service as AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, but for half the cost. The average size family saves almost $1,000 a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can keep your cell phone number and your phone or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch today and save an additional 50% off your first month. Choose a wireless company who shares our values, who supports our military and veterans, creates American jobs, and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. 
Go to puretalk.com slash buck to switch today so you can actually afford that burger and fries. That's puretalk.com slash buck. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. All right. I feel like we have stacked together like eight, Teen straight super serious shows. I don't know how many there have been with everything that's gone on since Israel started. Um, certainly with the, uh, the ongoing uncertainty surrounding the, uh, who's speaker of the house going to be. Let me update you on the speaker mess, uh, before we get into something a little bit more lighthearted to send you hopefully into your Tuesday afternoon in good spirits. We told you that Tom Emmer is the nominee right now to be the next Speaker of the House. He's a congressman from Minnesota. Donald Trump has weighed in and brought a two-by-four to Tom Emmer. I have many... I'm reading from Trump on Truth Social. I have many wonderful friends wanting to be Speaker of the House. Some are truly great warriors. Rhino Tom Emmer, who I do not know well, is not one of them. He never respected the power of a Trump endorsement or the breadth and scope of MAGA. He fought me all the way and actually spent more time defending Ilhan Omar than he did me. He's totally out of touch with Republican voters. Uh, he says he's now learned a lesson because he's saying he's pro-Trump, but who can ever be sure? Has he only changed because that's what it takes to win? The Republican Party cannot take that chance because that's not where the America First voters are. Voting for a globalist rhino like Tom Emmer would be a tragic mistake. Globalist rhino, that's like flying elbow off the top belt buckle. I think that Tom Emmer's chances of being speaker are quite low now. Although, Buck, I would just put this out there because I brought it up a couple weeks ago. The longer this absence, this void of leadership goes, the more likely somehow some sort of partnership with Democrats becomes. And so I can see a scenario brewing where somehow some Democrats end up crossing the line to support a Republican for Speaker of the House or even worse... Some Republicans end up no. supporting a Democrat. That's where that's where I think it goes. I, I I could see the first one, Clay. The second one, well, you know what? I can't actually. I can't say no to you because, uh, I mean, look at what look what a mess, what a, what a just what clown situation we have unfolding as as we currently. See Nobody it can get to two seventeen, which is why a part of me thinks that we could see my kickball redo. Where Republicans just pretend. Remember back in the day, you're, you're young enough, you may not remember this. Remember when the D- Dallas, uh, spoiler alert, uh, the television show Dallas, they killed off Bobby Ewing. And I then do, they I had never all, watched this show. So oh. this was, do you, do you know the story of this at all? I do not. Oh my goodness. But this is a generational you, gap thing, Clay. You, Sometimes, you, you know. Whippersnapper. They, yeah. I remember watching this back in the day, the television show Dallas, 1980s. I bet 99% of the people listening to us right now are familiar with this. Bobby Ewing was killed. J.R. Ewing's younger brother. Um, and then they decided they didn't want to actually kill him off. I think his name was Patrick Duffy. And they actually released, Buck, like four different storylines that were going to be the way that they would bring him back. One was like, oh... Uh, you know, when he went flatline in the hospital, actually, then they started to, you know, his heart started to beat again. You know what they went with, Buck? You, you legitimately don't know this story. I have no idea what you're talking about, no. They decided that it was all a dream. And mm. so they wrote off basically all of his death. He shows up, he's in the shower. It's like nothing ever happened. I think there could be a dream scenario here for the Republicans where they just kind of say, you know what? Just we're gonna do the uh the men in black magic stick. I bet you remember that one. We're just gonna pretend none of this ever happened. Kevin McCarthy comes back. I kind of yeah. feel like that's where this is gonna end up. It's just so ridiculous at this point. I feel like that's what they're gonna try to play on everybody. Uh, we'll we'll see. Um and so I you know, I appreciate also um all the, the dog training tips that I have been getting. Uh as you know, Ginger is now a part of our family. She is a Tiny and, and maximum level cuteness and ador- adorable level 
uh, Australian Labradoodle. And I, I get all these, and I've, I've read this, uh, I read this book about some monks in New York, the monks of New Skeet, who train their German shepherds and they're very, you know, they're like super well-trained German shepherds, but it's supposed to be for, you know, general dog purposes as well. I've read all these dog training books and I, I must confess, Clay, I mean, I know you don't have a dog or a cat guy, but they, what? It's, I hate, just, I hate the cats. I'm just right, stating facts. I'm just stating we facts. We have two cats in the house. I was adamantly opposed to them. I am not a fan of either. And I'm probably going to get tell you guys, emails now. Every time I go to Clay's house, he's got one of these cats in his lap, like the bad guy from Inspector Gadget or something as he's these watching sports. These cats are awful. They won't even sit in your lap and let you rub them. They're like yeah. these Bengal tiger cats. I mean, they just tear everything up and destroy everything. I, I, I do see them I like they the randomly cats. pop out. I mean, they must be helpful for your Halloween party because they randomly pop out of nowhere and they're like meow and you're like whoa yes, where they're that, awful where, where did that come from but so we, we have the dog the dog is is so cute that you know ever in the neighborhood they see the dog they come over because she's so tiny right now she's uh in her ninth week of, of life and Clay one of the things they tell you and all and everyone's been telling me this oh crate training and all these different tips and learn to have her hit the bell when she wants to go outside put a bell on your door there's all these different tips but the one thing they all say is in your first couple of nights when the dog is is like yelping, basically, keep it in the crate. Don't don't give in. Don't give in because if you put it on the foot of the bed and now it gets to sleep with the adults, you know, or sleep with the humans, I mean, and at the foot of the bed, um, it's gonna always want to do that. I mean, they say the same thing, by the way, about babies. Yeah, so this I, is I, yes. I we we lasted we lasted one night and now the dog is sleeping like right on the bed. I don't know. I don't. I know this is like not supposed to happen. We're great with the potty training so far. We've got on a great schedule, but I'm sorry when this adorable little thing is sitting there and she'll start kind of like yelping a little bit, and then if we ignore, it gets louder and louder and louder, and it's like the middle of the night, and she doesn't want to be locked in this little cage. And all the dog training people right now are, are by the way, they're just they are very huffy with me in this moment in time because you're not supposed to do this but i sit here i'm like the dog is so cute and she wants to be on the bed what am i gonna I, do you're gonna read so many books when you eventually have kids and you're gonna do things that the books don't say and the thing about the I, this is what i'll tell you i don't know dogs right i don't know cats either i do have some modicum of knowledge about kids everybody gives you all this advice and then all kids are so much different. Like, this is what we were told at our first. Like, let him cry it out, let him cry it out. Well, he would cry until he would throw up. Like our oldest, when he was like, you know, six months old, I don't know, like 10 months old, whatever it is. And then you got to go clean up the puke and tra- change out the entire mattress and beds in the middle of the night, by the way. And so finally, I was just like, I'll, I just bring him into bed. Like, and then he would sleep great. And so, so, so this is, I, yeah, this is what I'm saying here. I mean, it's going to wake up the neighbors. This little tiny dog, I'm telling you, is able to screech at this level. This thing weighs like three pounds. It's able to screech at this level that is, and it's so adorable and it knows it's so adorable. And I'm supposed to keep it locked in this case. Like, you know, the dog isn't serving like, you know, f- five to 10 for Grand Theft Auto or something. Like, I don't want to keep it in, in a jail cell. I'm just saying, I know people love the crate and everything else, but I just, I'm a softy man. I can't. I can't do it. I, the dog and we all got a great night's sleep last night. Oh, dog, I mean, we, carry when me. When we had the youngest, great. when we had the youngest, he would sleep between me and my wife, like starting at the age of about 18 months, and he would sleep for 10 straight hours. And he was super cute, and I don't regret any of it. And now he's grown up, and he's 16, and he won't even give us a hug. Yeah. So to be fair, uh, though, so like you, you know, kids, there's no crate training for kids, right? So it's obviously a different. No, thing. but that, but they, 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 there's all sorts of complicated ideas. But I guess there's about like crib, let them cry it out the in, the, in the crib, right. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, so you're going to get into those eventually. And by the way, way more difficult. This is like, uh, I don't even know what the equivalent. This is like, you're in single A ball right now, bud. Yeah. I don't know how you did it, man. Three kids, all you parents out there, you all are amazing. Laura was great. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.